This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 48 degrees and 904. The forecast for today. May still be some showers in and out for the day today, otherwise partly sunny and a high getting into the upper 60s. In a move that could mean work for southern tier job seekers willing to commute to Syracuse, Micron, one of the world's largest microchip manufacturers, has announced it will build a semiconductor plant in Onondaga County, promising a long-term investment of up to $100 billion and a plant that could bring 50,000 jobs to New York State. The company was lured to the Syracuse area with help from a generous set of federal, state, and local incentives, including up to $5.5 billion in state tax credits over 20 years. In addition to tax credits tied to the investment and job creation, New York has pledged $200 million for road and infrastructure improvements where the plant is being built in suburban clay and $100 million to a community benefit fund. The state would also review supplying the operation with low-cost power. Companies like Micron manufacture the tiny chips that power everything from smartphones to cars. The company plans to invest up to $100 billion over the next 20-plus years to construct the project with the first investment of $20 billion planned by the end of the decade. The deal is also expected to bring more than 9 thousand micron jobs officials believe it could also bring close to 40,000 other jobs to the region including suppliers contractors and the like the company says it needed a large site for a facility that could ultimately encompass 2.4 million square feet that also means having water and power infrastructure in place to accommodate the production of those memory chips a portion of a heavily traveled road in johnson city is being named after a fallen village police officer New York State Senator Fred Akshar, Assemblywoman Donna Lopardo, Johnson City Police Chief Brett Dodge, Police Chaplain Father Dennis Ruda, representatives at the New York State Department of Transportation, and the family of Officer David D.W. Smith unveiled the new sign designating part of Main Street, New York Route 17 in the village, the Patrolman David D.W. Smith Memorial Highway. The veteran patrolman was gunned down near Wilson Hospital in 2014 as he responded to a report of a disturbed man. That man grabbed the patrolman's service revolver and fatally shot him before the man was shot himself and died. Delaware County Sheriff's officials say a woman is accused of trying to buy items on someone else's charge account. According to a news release from the sheriff's office, Catherine Shepler of Jefferson is accused of intentionally purchasing items on a charge account belonging to another person in the town of Stamford. Investigators say Shepler allegedly had signed the name of the victim on a receipt while she knew she was not authorized to do so. Delaware County Sheriff's officials say Shepler has been charged with one misdemeanor count of forgery. The Jefferson woman was released on an appearance ticket and ordered back in town of Stamford Court at a later date. WMBF News Time 907. More than 300 truck drivers at New England's largest wholesale food distributor have gone on strike, raising concerns about disruptions of the food service to schools, hospitals, and nursing homes. 
The drivers, represented by the Teamsters Local 653, took to the picket line at Cisco, Boston, early Saturday seeking better pay and benefits. Last week, about 230 drivers at a Cisco facility near Syracuse also went on strike alleging unfair labor practices. The union complained on a Facebook post that the company offers strips workers of union health insurance and pensions and only offers small pay increases amid drastically rising inflation. Cisco said in a statement that the Massachusetts drivers make about $110,000 a year on average, and it has offered a wage increase of 25% over the life of the contract. The Houston-based company also said it is offering more health care options at lower cost compared to the current plan. Cisco says in New York, the union did not allow drivers to vote on the company's offer, which included wage increases and a $2,500 signing bonus. Nursing homes are preparing to adapt, seeking alternate sources for food, as they did during the coronavirus pandemic and recent supply chain slowdown. That's according to the industry sources. But there's been no indication of any missed deliveries yet. Cisco also services restaurants and sports venues and has distribution facilities located across the country. WMBF News Time 909. You watch. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, partly sunny today, a slight chance of showers, high in the upper 60s to around 70, mostly clear tonight with patchy fog setting up after midnight, a low in the mid-40s. Tomorrow, patchy fog in the morning, otherwise mostly sunny, a high in the mid-70s. Friday, a 40% chance of showers, mostly cloudy, a high in the mid-50s. Saturday, mostly sunny, a high in the low to mid-50s. Sunday, sunny, a high in the upper 50s. And if you have the holiday off on Monday and the Tournament of Bands competition in downtown, mostly sunny and a high in the low 60s. Currently, it is 48 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9 where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, All right, let's get this started. Hey, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Welcome to WNBF's live local talk program. Bob Joseph with you till noon. We'll be taking phone calls. 607-772-1290 is the number. If you'd like to connect with us, we're here for you. If you have some input, let us know what's going on in your neighborhood. You can also email the program, bob at wnbf.com. Be advised. Everything you submit to mob at WNBF.com will become the property of Town Square Media forever. And probably Town Square Media will use it however they would like. So choose your words and even your punctuation carefully. Anybody see those rats in downtown Binghamton? Those big, beady-eyed rodents in the downtown Binghamton district? I mean, come on, man. Uh, can't they do a thing about them? <laughs> I don't know if they can do a thing about them. I uh, ran into a person uh, who was 
preparing to do a thing because uh, there's a building that um, apparently he's responsible for, and apparently uh, someone claimed that there are rats. Now, personally, I haven't seen a rat <laughs> in real life in years. But I'm told they exist, and now I'm told uh, even in downtown Binghamton there. Uh, <laughs> on the move. So this was demonstrated to me, and maybe if you follow on Twitter, I know some people saw what I, I posted on the Twitter, and this... This doesn't do it justice, but after all, you know, a picture is worth at least a hundred words. But I will play the audio soundtrack to a brief thing that was posted on Twitter last night after someone pointed out to me, yeah, you may work in downtown Binghamton, you may think you know all, but what about the rats? And so... Uh, it was demonstrated to me. First of all, I hadn't seen this kind of a rat trap before. Apparently, it's one of those humane rat traps that are all the rage now. Because you don't want to hurt them. I mean, the thing about rats is uh, they were created as well as just like we were or are. So you don't want to hurt them, but you do want to uh, get hold of them and move them to a place that would be more appropriate instead of here in downtown Binghamton. So, I'll uh, just listen to the audio. This is um, an acquaintance who demonstrated, demonstrated for me some of the stuff that he was going, going to load into the uh, rat trap to try to encourage these beady-eyed monsters to uh, get out of downtown Binghamton and maybe go to Hackensack. This is a rat trap that'll be uh, deployed in an apartment house in Binghamton shortly. Now my friend has concocted a bunch of stuff that apparently is good for rats. There should be attractive. Tell me what you have here. So I've got cat food, okay. wet cat food. Then I've got some bacon. They love bacon. I love bacon. Cooked or raw, but this is a little bit cooked. Right. Then what we have here is a mixture of cashews, um, I had to taste it. It looked good. There's also um, checks in there and oh peanut butter. It's delicious. Along with the bacon fat that I that was sitting there. And what about here? And then right here, we also have some some dry Reese's with some raisins in it. All right. Good and luck. This should help attract those rats. All right. Well, hopefully it works. But anyway, that's that's what they do, I guess. I always thought you just put in like. A, little slab of Velveeta and say presto presto gano but these days the efforts are to be humane and kind and you know you attract more rats with uh, apparently chocolate and peanut butter covered Chex Mix than you do with Velveeta cheese so anyway if you see any rats leaving downtown now you know why no I'm not talking about them Come on, man. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, and just so you're aware, uh, I'm, I'm going to start following the uh, rat, the rat beat in downtown Binghamton. I'll see what turns up. This sounds sounds like it's going to be a fun, fun assignment. 
So he said, I haven't seen a rat in years. In fact, I was under the impression that the previous administration had dealt with the infestation. I thought it was a success, but evidently not. 917, let's take a call from Kirkwood. Good morning, Larry. Yeah, there's Bob eating the trap there while he's talking about it. <laughs> well, the stuff he was loading in the trap, the, the, uh, the cat food was from Rachel Ray, so he spent probably this little pouch that looked to be about a six-ounce pouch of nutrish cat food, so that probably cost five bucks. The bacon, oh, we yeah. know the price of bacon these days. He had cooked up four slices of bacon, so that probably cost him $15. And then the uh, yeah. he, he covered the uh, Chex Mix with uh, a, a chocolate peanut butter concoction. That's the only part I tasted. I, I wanted a slice of bacon, but he wouldn't let me because the bacon is so expensive. So, uh, yeah, the <laughs> downtown Binghamton rats today will be eating better than I will. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about Loretta Lynn. Nobody's been talking about her at all, that she died last night. What's she didn't die last night. She died She died Tuesday morning, and I broke the news at precisely 9.57 on this program oh, really? with her uh, notable song, which was about her life, I Was Born a Coal Miner's Daughter. If you were listening, yeah. you would have heard the the flash, because I, I broke the news before anybody else in Binghamton. Yeah, my sister is telling me she was looking online, and... Uh, she saw that Loretta Lynn had died, and I guess I thought they said that she died yesterday. Well, okay. no, she did die yesterday morning. Yesterday morning. That's why we put it on the new, or on the the program um, about twenty four, well, twenty three and a half hours ago, I believe. Let me look. Oh, okay. Let me look at my documentation. We have to keep everything documented now because people are always yeah, I asking. Listening to the show after a while. So, you weren't uh, listening. See, there you go, Larry. You know. My fault. Fair weather fans, you you listen you listen to the program for a few minutes and then think you know everything about everything. Well, they're my No, that's no, okay. I, I, would, oh, I don't ex I don't expect you to listen to every scintillating minute. I mean, you have a life to lead. I, I would never ever think of myself as a as that smart or anything. <laughs> well, same here. Even even though on the radio I act like you know Binghamton's smartest Alec. <laughs> oh no, that was Mr. Trey Beck. But um that and I miss are, him. Bob. Yeah, I know. I I admit it. I'm not proud. It's, you know, I blame public schools. I'm a product of public schools. I um I think I've mentioned this before. There's a guy in Endwell who runs a restaurant. And when I see him, cuz he apparently recalls when I was a, a kid, a little skinny teenager in high school, um, and he, today. he, he, uh, he uh, when he sees me, he says, Bob, what happened? You, you used to be so quiet and nice. I said, I don't know what happened. I, you know, what happened is I moved from Maine Endwell to Union Endicott. I had to get tough fast. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. if I had stayed, I, I bet if I had remained a Spartan instead of uh, slithering off from Endwell to Endicott becoming a tiger, roar, uh, probably I, I still would be a, a nice, quiet lad without a, a radio show, but probably have a job at IBM making those number two pencils mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, and pontificating about the 
Thomas J. Watson slogan, think. <laughs> think. And I, I would do that for eight hours, and then I'd try to get myself across to, to North Street with the other 14,000 IBMers and probably get hit yeah. by a bus. Well, anyway, let's get back to Loretta Lynn. Yeah. She's quite the lady, you know, mm. 90 years old she lived to be. Yeah. And uh, she she really was quite a lady. I mean, uh, I remember watching uh, an interview she did with Mike Wallace many years ago when he was alive. And... Uh, Quite a life. It's uh, kind of rough too. That's she had a husband that was pretty rough on her, you know. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. I, I'm just uh, pulling out the uh, print edition of the New York Times. They have a, a story about her life on page mm-hmm. one, and the headline is "Musical Gem as Gritty as Coal." So, in mm-hmm. other words, she's not like Beyonce, or she wasn't like Beyonce. She was actually, she had a. A challenging life, to say the least. And a lot more humble, too. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's true. But but she grew up in a different era when that sort of thing was expected. Now, now our musical stars or entertainment legends or talk show hosts, we don't expect them to be humble. We would like them to be, but we don't expect it anymore. Right. Said she built her stardom not only on her music but also on her image as a symbol of rural pride and determination her story was carved out of kentucky coal country from hard scrabble beginnings in butcher butcher hollow Uh butcher hollow which her songs made famous as butcher holler oh okay pretty cool pretty cool so yeah it was she was uh, the she struck me as a very sweet lady. I, I mm. like her. Uh, sweet, but a tough gal, too. Well, you know, after voice. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking at, on the inside of the New York Times. They gave they gave her obituary in the New York Times inside one and a half full pages. I mean, that's that's oh, remarkable. Yeah. That's That shows yeah. that shows something that even the people at the Times of New York realized how, how important Loretta Lynn was as um, a country music artist and, and truly an American icon. And boy, could she write songs. She wrote hundreds of songs. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And there's even okay. an appraisal. Yep. An appraisal that says, putting her heart into her hurt, she refused to pretty things up. See, she yeah, yeah. she basically, her songs told it like it was. So, indeed, Loretta Lynn will be yeah. missed and we certainly recognize her contributions to the world of country music and yep. to the usa i appreciate your call larry all right bless you man thanks 924 this is bob joseph on wnbf 607-772-1290 also send an email to bob at wnbf.com we're on air 92.1 fm 1290 a.m And always available on the free WNBF app. Employee. WNBF. Providing you with the best solutions of your lifetime. The KSO Insurance Weekly Spotlight with Karen Sweet O'Neill on News Radio 1290 WNBF. Morning, Karen Sweet O'Neill. 
Good morning, Bob Joseph. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. All right, let's yeah. get right let's get right to the um, okay. the meat the meat of the segment here. There there is uh, important information and time is of the essence for people. Well, I'll tell you what, it usually is, you know, but with Medicare enrollees it's very much so. Um, what we're uh, obviously approaching is Medicare open annual open enrollment period, which is October 15th to December 7th, and that's the period of time where people that are on Medicare need to review their options or look forward to new options, see if their prescription drug coverage is going to increase, see if their prescriptions will still be on the formulary that they use now, and also uh, to shop their Medicare Advantage plans. Because most Medicare Advantage plans, Bob, and those are the plans that you see on TV with Joe Namath and Captain Kirk and J.J. Walker saying, you know, you can have zero premium and that kind of thing and all these wonderful benefits. And really, truly, a lot of the Medicare Advantage plans are very good. But the prescription drug coverage, in most cases, with PPOs anyway, is bundled into the plan. So you need to look at that every year. Also, the benefits and the features of the plan to make sure they're just as good or better than they were last year. And speaking of that, um, we have all different companies that we work with. So we shop the plans for our clients and for new clients. And the Excellus plans that just came out, um, just to mention a company, with their Medicare um, Advantage PPOs, have five plans for the 2023 um, target date. And they're very good. And including in those five plans is uh, our two zero premium plans. So that's something we would look at um, quite hard to make sure that if you have it, what your increase is as far as your benefits and features are of the plan, and if you don't have it, if it's something that you want to look into. Now, we're going to roll right over from a Medicare Advantage plan on the open market to the IBM um, retirees that currently utilize a system where they get a certain amount of money each year in their HRAs, income tax-free from IBM, to be able to reimburse themselves for the health care premiums that they choose through a middle brokerage, and it's called Via Benefits. Well, they've been doing that since 2014. However, IBM this year came out with a new system and said, here's what we're going to do going forward. Um, we are going to switch over to two Medicare Advantage plans with United Healthcare and their group Medicare PPO. Advantage plans. And why that's important is because whenever you have a group Medicare Advantage plan, you tend to see richer benefits and features of a regular Medicare Advantage plan on the open market. So the IBM retirees that currently have the old system till the end of the year, and perhaps they have $3,000 in an HRA, by the end of this year, Bob, December 31st, that system goes away. So you can keep the kind of coverage that you have through via benefits. However, you will not be receiving that reimbursement from IBM because they want you to transition over to these new plans, and they're pushing the enhanced plan, which, by the way, is very good. And depending on how much your IRA is now, or excuse me, your HRA, 
will depend on how much your premium will be with the new enhanced plan. So we've been doing a lot of um, calling to the company in the uh, in the office with the clients right in the office, and we go through what their premium would be, what their transition allowance would be, because they're also giving them a set amount of money to use as a one-time transition fee, and they're as high as 1200 a year and then showing them the features and the benefits of the plan, and then they decide do they want to switch or do they want to keep their current coverage. And I tell you what, it's a really, really good plan. So it's worth looking into, and it's also worth looking into so you can get that transition allowance. They want you to do this by December 16th of this year. I would not wait, and that's why we're having very, very good success with it, Bob, just because we're not into the annual enrollment period where all Medicare beneficiaries are calling, um, you know, these companies as well, and we're calling for them. So that's what's going on in the Medicare world. Oh, one more thing. We always like to end with a very good note, which actually the the plan's a good note too. But uh, one other thing is that we're looking, and I think people are pretty aware of the fact that there's some reductions going forward. Your Part B premium on Medicare is going to be a little over $5 less um, in 2023 that they're going to be taking out of your Social Security for your Part B premium. The Part B deductible is also going to be reduced by a little over $5. And your Social Security looks like it's going to be increased anywhere between 180 and $200 a month for people on Social Security starting January 1, 2023. It's amazing. It is. It is amazing. It's amazing that they actually did a reduction. Yeah. I haven't seen a reduction in ages. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Well, let's not let's not worry for the moment. Let's just be prepared to give people the information they need to contact you. It's the best way. They can do it several ways, Bob. They can give us a call at 607-772-4898. They can Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information comes up, or simply go to a phone book, and we have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. We're up on the Parkway, 1708 Vestal Parkway East, up above Plato's Closet and Style Encore, all one level. You drive right up to us, but please make an appointment, um, obviously, because we can't really do walk-ins right now because we are extremely busy. Okay. All right. I may give you a call then. All right, Bob. Be prepared. You can walk in. Be prepared. <laughs> I might <laughs> be like, "Oh, hi," and you will say, "Oh, hi, Bob." I hi. really hi. wasn't prepared. Is there news going on in Vestal that I need to know about? By the way, I will. Uh, this is no need to be concerned. I'll keep you posted if if anything affects you. But I do plan to be in Vestal this afternoon between one and two, doing some reporting for a story. Just just a heads up in case. In case anybody uh-huh. says, I saw Bob Joseph, and I can tell because he has that inquisitive look in his eyes that he's reporting a potentially big story for Vestal. So it's not coming out today. I have to do some some uh, additional questioning. Research. Yes, but it, mm-hmm. don't worry. It's good news. Oh, we Excellent like good news. news. The best. Oh, Only the very best. Very good. Okay? Very good, Bob. Yeah. All right, Karen. Okay, you have a great day and a good afternoon up in Vestal. I will. Stop in and say hi. (laughs) I may just do that. Thank you. Hope you have a great afternoon. 
Thanks. Bye-bye. It's 935 WNBF, WNBF.com. Coming up, we have uh, probably some calls and maybe some important information as well. I wouldn't be surprised because that's how we roll here at News Radio WNBF. Bob Joseph, on your side. Grammy win. WNBF at 937. Dale in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Morning, Bob. What's up? Uh, just talk about Medicare and everything. And I just found out, well, not a little while back, that um, there's a premium on Medicare that comes right out of your Social Security. It's like $107 or something like that. And that the insurance companies are our Medicare, it's all one program. So when an insurance company calls you and it's, and they say that they're Medicare, you know, and not telling them the name of their company, it really annoys me that they, uh, you know, will uh, not tell you that. I, I just found that out. You know? I'm over 65 now and stuff everything. It just uh, annoys me that well, have to pay I, all that. I have to tell you, when it comes when it <laughs> comes to businesses, everything annoys me. But you know, that's just me. You know, it, I I think I think American businesses should come up with a a new motto called "We're going to tell you everything right at the outset." Wouldn't that be funny? A new motto, yeah. no matter what the business <laughs> is. Be. You, I mean, yeah. you're calling. But they're married together, so right? I mean, say if you called up. Oh, we'll just pick a business at random. The cable company. They tell you everything oh, right at the oh. outset. Or the newspaper company yeah. or the radio I company. The cable yeah. company yeah. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. And then oh, the electric yeah. company and then the gas company and the oil company and every oh, company. Don't get yeah. me started because, you know, okay. and I, I don't mean to pick on anyone in particular i'm just saying what i've noticed over the years a lot of companies their policy is not to tell you everything right at the outset have you noticed that yeah, yeah. i got phone calls for medicare yeah. they say medicare and then yeah. i realized they're an insurance company yeah so i don't know what can you do it's um you know it's perfectly legal and i i guess they like doing it that way and what i say is be warned beware hey no it's about everything though I'll tell you oh, what, boy. every time you use your phone, except when you call this program, be careful. This program, yeah. the good thing about calling this program, I am not trying to scam you. I'm not trying to take your money. I'm not trying to dupe you or pretend that I'm someone I'm not. I'm just a kid who was born in Binghamton, doing the best I can, you <laughs> know? Too. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. unlike... but. Anything else you use your phone today, whether you call someone or they call you, be careful. Yeah, be, be careful. careful. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Hope you okay, have a great Bob, day. Have a good day. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm, because I'm 
just as I said, you know, what do I have? I have nothing except a microphone and a telephone. At least the microphone works all the time. See what I'm saying, man? 607-772-1290. Email bob at wnbf.com. I may be inclined to read an email on the air today. So if you submit something to bob at wnbf.com, there certainly is a chance in hell. I mean, uh, excuse me, pardon my French. There's certainly a chance in Hackensack that I will read your email. In fact, let me just go to the email right now to show my commitment to reading email. Oh, there's one from a colleague. I can't read that. That's not, that's not for you. That's for me to explain what's going on around here. Thank you, colleague. And then here's one from John from Binghamton. Okay, this is a perfect case in point. And he brings up uh, an important issue regarding Twitter. Because I made a reference to the thing that I had posted on Twitter last night about uh, the dramatic invasion of rats in downtown Binghamton. Okay, I'm exaggerating. We'll just say... There's a place in downtown Binghamton that reportedly has rats. So I, I did a piece, 50 seconds of video to show what was being done to tackle the rat infestation at one location in Binghamton. And then as John from Binghamton points out, so you scroll down on this Twitter feed at Binghamton Now, it says Twitter, and then you scroll down and see a speedy. And that's an excellent point, John. It's, a, it's no wonder. It's no wonder Elon Musk is planning to implement dramatic changes when he buys the Twitter for $44 billion. Stuff like that is not going to be tolerated by the new owner of Twitter. Because I, I admit, I admit on live radio at 425 Tuesday afternoon, I posted a photo of a Speedy. And all it said, the only explanation, there was no explanation except above the picture of a delicious Speedy on a delicious seated bun, said uh, just two words, Speedy time, hashtag Upstate America. There's no explanation, no reason, just a total waste of the Internet. The Internet wasn't invented for that sort of frivolous stuff. The internet is supposed to be used for serious matters only. As I replied to John via email, that's going to change quickly now that Elon Musk is running the platform. Of course, technically, Mr. Musk has not taken over, but you can bet your bottom dollar when he's in charge two things he's going to do. One, of course, he'll reinstate the former guy on Twitter to his rightful place on Twitter which is good from the standpoint of this talk program that'll give me plenty of material to work with every morning once the former guy is back tweeting like a maniac. Hopefully he buys a new phone so he'll be up to the task so he can transmit thousands of tweets a day. The other thing Elon Musk will do is contact me by a direct message and say, look, the party's over, buddy. And stop with the insipid, pointless pictures of speedies. If you're going to do anything about speedies, 
make sure it's newsworthy and noteworthy. Don't waste this platform on frivolity and simple pictures of speedies, even if people claim to like them. And a lot of people liked that picture of a speedy, including some people from out of town who no longer have easy access to speedy. And one, one listener, she wrote, I can never move to Florida. They can't cook. She wrote, I had Pasquale sausage, peppers, onions over angel hair with little Venice sauce. See, that's a point here. You can't leave Binghamton because you can't get the good stuff that we get here. With Pasquale sausage and little Venice sauce and speedies. And Jenny from the block wrote, she used to work over at the newspaper. And now she works down at the, the Times of New York. And she wrote, I was explaining speedies to some friends over the weekend. I think... I don't know if she's talking about the New York Times people or, or maybe just acquaintances she has. And half thought the idea of Speedy sounded great and half wondered where the vegetables were. Yeah. Uh, Ellie wrote on, on Twitter, wow, so she liked it. Uh, Mary from Jersey wrote, by the way, she's also a journalist. She said, open up a Speedy's joint in New Jersey. And I wrote back to her, I would love to do that. But again, that's not what Twitter is about. Twitter is about the good things for America and not wasting the platform with pictures of speedies just to make people hungry. It's 946. Back to the phones we go. Dave and Vestal. Yeah, good morning there, Bob. Uh, Huey Joseph in the news. I'm listening. Now. Oh, my goodness. Hey. That, that is great. I, I hey. should change my first name to Huey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, Bob, I, you know, I need to know your your own uh, personal opinion. I, I want to know where you stand with uh, kicking out our, our service people, our people in the military because of a non-vaccination. I, I, I want to know how you feel about that. What do you mean, how I feel about it? Ask me a direct question. I don't want to talk about my feelings. I'm not Sally Jesse Raphael. I'm not Rachel Ray. I'm not uh, Janine Pyro. I'm, I'm a man... Like most men, I don't like to talk about my feelings. Ask me a direct question. Okay, Bob. Where do you stand? Where do you stand with that topic? What, if military people don't get vaccinated? Correct. I'd Kick them out. Kick them out. Kick them out. Yeah. Yes, there, there. I said it. If there's a rule... And by the way, vaccination rules have existed in the United States military for many years. It's not new. It didn't just come up with, um, with the pandemic. Military people generally have been required to be uh, vaccinated, I believe, for many things before they, they can serve. It is. It is just a rule. And if you can't follow the rules, how can you be part of the military? Okay. Um, what about people that file for religious uh, exemptions? They need to go to? No. If if you get if you file for a religious exemption and it's approved, that's okay. If if you have specific religious reasons and it's reviewed, I believe that provision has existed for other vaccine requirements before COVID. So if if you go through the proper procedure and request a religious exemption and it's approved. Then you can stay. Okay. I mean, I don't like it. I don't make the rules. 
But what kind of a society would we have if people didn't follow the rules? Make it optional, Bob. Nothing can be optional. Make it optional to go 119 miles an hour on the highway just because it's a Sunday and you're heading to Elmira? Come on, man. Society, if things were left to be optional, oh, the red light at, at the corner of Court and State, it's optional to stop. No, for a society to work appropriately in 2022, we need some rules and regulations. Do you get a flu shot every every uh, year, Bob? No, it's not required. Okay, things are then. Then there are things that are optional. Thank you for. Uh... Yes, some things are optional. If they mandate, if if my employer, the Town Square Media, comes up with a mandate that I get a flu shot, I'll go get a flu shot. I follow the rules. Okay, so. Uh, but, you know, we need everyone we can for our military, for our police officers. We need everybody. We need nurses. We need everybody. First responders. We need all we can get. So I say, to hell with that. Make it optional so we can keep people. Wouldn't that be a good idea? I say, if you're going to be part of the military or part of the police or serving people ill people and possibly people with um, um, life-threatening illnesses in hospitals, I say follow the rules. If the rules say get vaccinated, then get vaccinated. Follow the rules. Okay. So do you believe 20 years from now we'll still have to wear a mask when we go to the dentist, when we go to the doctors, when we go to the hospital? Are we going to be wearing a mask, Bob, every time we walk in any place like that? No. You don't think so? I don't think so, but how how would I know? You you asked me a direct question. Do I think that'll be happening 20 years from now? No, I don't think it will. Do I know? How could I know? I I, I don't have my magic eight ball. It's it's in the shop getting a new battery. Yeah, you don't have your looks, magic eight ball. <laughs> looks, looks fuzzy. Yeah, I, I, if, I'm, I'm sure if I had my magic eight ball, you know, it would come up, looks fuzzy, or try again. <laughs> try again, sister. Okay. By the way, what the heck was that stuff that they had inside the Magic 8 ball? I always thought it was water, and then somebody told me, no, it was really Zima. <laughs> Zima? Yeah, because the, the, the Zima Beverage Company in Memphis, Tennessee, had so much Zima left over that they started, they started selling it to the Magic 8 ball company, and it was cheaper for them, the Magic 8 ball company, to use... Zima that was no longer wanted by anyone it was cheaper to use that than water. I just that's what a kid told me. Anyway, thanks for the call. It's, uh, <laughs> I like answering those questions. I you know I think I think those questions are important. By the way, let's be very clear. I'm not imposing my will on you. I'm just telling you since uh, Dave asked a direct question, what do I think about? If there's um, a vaccination rule for military or law enforcement, if that's the rule, then follow the rule. If there's a provision to apply for a religious exemption, apply if that's if that pertains to you. You know, I don't like the rules either. You know, and in, in a perfect world, I could do whatever I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted. I could run a show here, whether I wanted today to do a two-minute show or a two-day show. I have to follow the rules. Every day 
The rule is the show is on from 9 to noon. That's the rule. Do I like it? Maybe, maybe not. Do I follow the rules every day? Of course I do. Do I give the legal ID, the call letters, followed by the city of license every hour on the hour? Yeah. Do I like it? No. I don't have a choice. Marie in Binghamton, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Uh, I'm a new caller. I listen to you every day. But yesterday, I was driving back from uh, the Price Chopper, and I went on Charlotte Street. And I saw a house that wasn't fit for an animal to live in it. The door was open. There were several children outside, as dirty as could be. They had new puppies on the, on the sidewalk and running around in the street. And I called the mayor's office. I called uh, adult protective. And I called code enforcement. And here, there's probably rats and everything else in that house. The door was wide open, and here was about eight little children out there running around with hardly any clothes on. And I was so upset that I couldn't stand it. I came home and called all these agencies, and nobody seems to be able to do anything about it. I don't understand this. Code enforcement said, well, we can't just go in there, and the police department can't go in there and do anything about it. And I said, that house should be condemned. It's awful. And the doors are wide open, windows are missing in it, and here people are living in it with all these little children. What a disgrace that nobody can do anything about it. When you called Mayor Cram, what did he tell you? They told me there was, uh, he, I didn't speak to Mayor Cram. Did you ask to speak with the mayor? Yes, I did. But uh, And what did they say? What did they say when you asked to speak with Mayor Jared Cram? Uh, apparently... Uh, there was nothing he could do about it. You had to call uh, other agencies. And I was on the phone probably for an hour and 20 minutes trying to get to people to see, just to go by there and see the conditions, these little children and these animals. Now, I'm an animal lover. I have an animal. I wouldn't even let my dog walk on that side of the street. That's how bad the situation is. And nobody, I don't understand code enforcement. They want to improve the city. Well, they better go on Charlotte Street and begin right there. That's well, I know, the, I know the area you're talking about, and I've been past a few of those houses in that area between Jarvis, St Jarvis Street and the Price Chopper property. It's right. a very short street, but yes, uh, if... If Mayor Cram wants to take action to improve our city and make it more tolerable for all people, Mayor Cram should go and talk to the people who are living on Charlotte Street and see for himself and also hold a news conference there to explain what he and city departments and the other appropriate agencies are going to do to help those people. Because I agree, the conditions that I've seen on that street and a few other streets elsewhere in this great city, they're, they're intolerable and unacceptable. 
But the I thing is, one hundred percent. But how do you get through to the mayor? The, the, uh, when he's always busy or something else he's, is going on. Because he it, ought to, instead of, instead of holding a photo op this week or next, he ought to spend an afternoon, this afternoon from noon to five, actually talk. And I'm not talking with media being there, not a photo op, just mayor. Mayor Cram himself ought to go to Charlotte Street and spend five hours talking with the people who live there so he gets a full appreciation of what's going on. Well, I'll tell you something. I doubt very much if he would even go near the place because the odor is unbelievable, too. You talk about rats and everything. I don't even think a rat would want to live in that condition. Well, you know, if Mayor Cram came to the studio here and answered questions like his predecessors did, that would be one of the things we would talk about. But he can't answer those questions. He can't answer why there are at least hundreds of people right now living in this city, the parlor city, a beautiful city, a great city, why several hundred people at this moment are living in unacceptable conditions. I'm not blaming him. But it's a question that needs to be addressed on this program sometime in the future. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Employee local on a Wednesday morning. Bob Joseph on WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 51 degrees at 10.04. Forecast for today. Just a slight chance of showers, might have some peaks of sunshine, although we've been socked in with clouds a good deal of the morning. High today around 70. A multi-billion dollar microchip development an hour north of Binghamton could translate in jobs not only with the company itself, but with ancillary jobs connected with the building of the new Micron plant in clay outside of Syracuse. Micron, one of the largest microchip manufacturers in the world, is building a huge facility in central New York. Thanks in part to billions of dollars in New York State tax credits and federal incentives aimed at turning the U.S. away from our reliance on the Chinese for microchips that run everything from cell phones to cars. The facility just north on Interstate 81 could translate into jobs not just for the greater Syracuse area and Onondaga County, but for a large area of New York as the company would need support in building the plant and once it's operational, maintaining the site. A Johnson City man who's released following allegations of sexual encounters with a minor in 2021 sparked outrage will be spending three years in prison. 33-year-old Kevin Cochran and pleaded guilty to attempted use of a child less than 17 years of age in a sexual performance and has been sentenced to three years in New York State prison to be followed by six years post-release supervision. Cochran had been arrested late last year after Johnson City Police said that they got a report on December 7th of a child who had received an inappropriate message on her cell phone. Police say as they talked to the girl, they concluded Cochran was responsible for the messages to the child, was engaged in inappropriate actions with her, and had engaged in sex with the teen. Village police say they found Cochran at his home the day after getting that complaint from the girl and collected evidence at the location. At the time of his arrest, Cochran was charged with two felony counts of criminal sexual act, as well as felony rape, burglary, and use of a child in a sexual performance. He was also charged with misdemeanor endangering the welfare of a child. In a news release announcing the arrest, police had said those offenses would allow a judge to set bail and send a defendant to jail, but Cochran had been released on his own recognizance without bail to await 
await his next court date. Authorities say following sentencing, Cochran was to be immediately transported to the Broome County Jail, then transported to a New York State Correctional Facility. WMBF News Time 1006. No injuries are reported following a fire that caused mainly minor damage to a West Side Binghamton home yesterday morning. Fire officials blame the blaze at 14 St. John Avenue on an electrical problem on a service panel. The 10 a.m. fire was put out in a matter of minutes. Also, no injuries are reported, but maybe some customer's sweet tooth could suffer with a delay in a delivery of cookies. The Broome County Emergency Services officials say a tractor-trailer carrying a load of cookies caught fire on Interstate 81 northbound this morning. Fire crews were called to the scene near the Whitney Point exit and said the break area of the rig had caught fire at about 4.30 a.m. The rig was able to be towed from the scene well before the morning traffic picked up. The Pennsylvania Department of Transportation is back on track planning and doing environmental reviews for the replacement of Interstate 81 bridges over the Susquehanna River in Susquehanna County. PennDOT had set a suf- suffered a setback in its plans for six bridge replacement projects proposed when some local governments objected to setting up tolling on the bridges that were due to be renovated or replaced. The challenge of the tolling idea put an immediate halt to all work, including reviews and community impact studies. The Pennsylvania General Assembly in July removed tolling as a way to pay for the road projects from the proposal. PENDA is faced as a result with the reallocation of current state and federal funds and the possible elimination or deferral of some projects in the 12-year plan. But with the tolling idea set off to the side, transportation officials can move ahead with studying how the I-81 Susquehanna Bridges project will affect the surrounding community's quality of life, including health, safety, cultural resources, environmental resources, and more. The I-81 Susquehanna Bridges projects will replace the dual bridges carrying the interstate over the Susquehanna River between Halstead and Great Bend. Those spans were built in 1961 and rehabilitated in 1979, 1993, and 2006. PennDOT says the project includes the replacement of the guide rail and barrier systems, signage, drainage network, one overpass structure, and four dual bridges over local creeks, roads, and a railroad in a nine-mile stretch of I-81 from New Milford to the New York border. The project updates can be found on the project website at www.pendot.gov slash I-81 Susquehanna. A comment form is available on the website. WMBF News Time 1009. Want to say- a quick mention, if you've always wanted a behind-the-scene looks at law enforce- enforcement, take note, the Broome County Sheriff's Office is having an open house today. It's at the public safety facility on Lieutenant Van Winkle Drive off Upper Front Street in the town of Dickinson. It's going to be open from noon until 7 today with personnel available to answer questions. There's demonstrations, child safety ID cards, and tours of the jail. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast Partly sunny today, a slight chance of showers, a high in the upper 60s to around 70. Mostly clear tonight, patchy fog toward morning, a low in the mid-40s. Tomorrow, patchy fog in the morning, mostly sunny, a high in the mid-70s. Friday, partly sunny or mostly cloudy, 40% chance of showers, and a high only in the mid-40s. 
50s. Saturday, mostly sunny, a high in the low to mid 50s. Sunday, sunny, a high in the upper 50s. And for the Tournament of Bands Parade on Monday, the national holiday, mostly sunny and a high in the low 60s. Currently, it is 51 in Binghamton. It's 1012, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Hour number two for you on News Radio, WNBF. Bob Joseph with you. If you want to call in, dial 
This is a charged word, but the conditions are deplorable in many parts of Binghamton, as well as our neighboring communities. I'm not suggesting the housing issues and the conditions that exist in some neighborhoods of Binghamton are unique. No, they're throughout Broome County, Tioga County, Susquehanna County, Delaware, Shenango, even Tompkins County has some places that are unfit. I think as a caller suggested, unfit for rats. But the bottom line is, what is to be done about it? Can't tell you what City Hall will do about it because City Hall doesn't participate in this program. So that would be one of the questions we would ask City Hall. I know there's a blight fight. I receive the news releases. I monitor the presentations. I'm not saying nothing is being done about the issue, but there are some, in my opinion, from what I see, and I trust me, I see a lot in any given week around the Triple Cities. I see a heck of a lot, including a lot of stuff that just never gets reported because it doesn't really qualify as a specific news story, but conditions around here in some places, in some neighborhoods, are just not right. And I'm not blaming. I, I don't blame anyone. I don't blame City Hall. I don't blame City Council. I don't blame department heads. To a degree, I don't blame property owners or people who live there. I mean, it's, it's a complicated thing. So I, I don't want to play the blame game. I'm just talking about an issue that we need to, I think, try to do more. And if I had the answer, I would tell you the answer. I don't have the answer. Uh, Tim from Binghamton writes, those properties that were referred to by uh, a previous caller are similar to one on Frederick Street. That's a tragedy waiting to happen. It's unfortunate our code enforcement team does not handle those situations. After all, they should be uh, the ones identifying areas of property concern, then notifying CPS when children are involved or in danger. And I see some situations, too, and I don't know. If I reported everything that I think need, I mean, called the police, the fire department, city hall, and CPS every time that I saw something of concern, that's all I would be doing some days. That's all that, and I wrote back to Tim from Binghamton after he sent that email just a few minutes ago. I said, in my reply, there are hundreds of properties that are inhabited in Binghamton and in neighboring communities that could be tragedies waiting to happen. The conditions of so many places are unacceptable, but it seems nothing can be done until it's too late. And I can pretty much guarantee before, we'll just say at random, in the next three months, before the end of the year, we'll see. We'll see a tragedy. And people will say, gee... Those conditions were bad before this happened. And some people will probably call this program and ask, well, why didn't anybody do anything to get the people and the kids out of that place before a tragedy happened? Because we've seen it happen in Binghamton and we've seen it happen in other 
communities in our area in the past where something happens, people say, well, we knew it was a fire trap. Everybody knew. It's true. You don't have to be a genius if you're driving through some neighborhoods around here. And just taking a casual look. Tragedy waiting to happen. It's 1020 WNBF. WNBF.com. We'll be taking calls 607 772 1290. And uh, I even will read another email. That is, that's how in vested in the program I am today. Coming up between now and 1030, I'm going to read another email. Bob at WNBF.com. Some person. Time to get a booster. Hit me with your best shot. Give me another shot. 1024 WNBF. Ron in Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. This is your second uh, most favorite caller um, calling. Uh, Ron from Binghamton. Uh, you know, Bob, I was listening uh, to Kathy doing the news segment. I only caught the very end of it. And she mentioned the Columbus Day Tournament of Bands. Uh, I didn't know if there was going to be a Tournament of Bands this year. And I also uh, am unaware, are they integrating the term Indigenous people along with the Columbus Day celebration, do you know? I hope so. I mean, officially. I mean, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. They don't tell me a, a darn thing. Now, remember, the people who run this place, this town, they don't tell me anything anymore because they, they don't believe in my rights. Now, actually, uh, in all seriousness, they're going to put out a, um, they're going to put out information today. Let me, uh, I, I was kidding. They actually invited me, believe it or not. Let me see, just to uh, verify. They, they are going to put out official information today about the big celebration. Let me just check. It's so difficult. You know, this technology. Ron, this technology is just so difficult. Hold on. Because I'm sure I saw something. They said they were going to make a big announcement today about that, just that thing. So let me just see. Oh. I mean, huge. Huge. A second here. So... Yeah, I want an assistant, but they tell me in the budget we have no money for the assistant. Um, all right. Oh, my gosh. I don't... Well, anyway, trust me. They're going to make a big announcement today about the Columbus Day Parade. That's all I can tell you, but because I can't find it. 
So anyway, to your point, do you think they should uh, call it the Indigenous Day Parade now? Well, I, I don't... Indigenous People the, Day Parade. I mean, you, you yeah. can't, you know, I guess it's got to be the full deal, right? Well, Bob, I, I, I would not leave Columbus out of the celebration, but I don't think it's a bad thing to begin to recognize uh, what happened in, in the history of uh, America and uh, what happened starting with Columbus to indigenous peoples. And um, I think that recognition should not, in my mind, it doesn't diminish what Columbus did, his bravery. Oh, we know what he did. I mean, now it's crystal clear what the guy did, so it's no wonder well, people are less than enthused with his <clears throat> his record. I mean, you look through you look through his permanent file and you just shake your head and you say, whoa, because for so many of us, that was not covered in the chapter about Columbus when we were in school. When I was in school, they didn't tell me about the other stuff. I mean, they told me some of the stuff, but they never told me the, the whole story about him. Yeah. And, that's, well, and again, I'm not impugning anyone's integrity. I'm just saying, look, you know, I mean, here, here's a good example. Um, the former guy. Now, he did some great things. He had a very popular so-called reality TV show. So there is a case, if you're teaching kids in the future, you, uh, on the one side, you say, the former guy gained popularity and even some notoriety for hosting a so-called reality show on the NBC TV network, and then he became president. So you cover all sides, the good and the bad. And that's I think that's how any figure in history, whether it's the former guy or uh, Chris Columbus, you know, let's cover the whole person and not gloss over some of the details that might have been unsavory. Oh, I, I agree, Bob. I, I am not, I didn't call to suggest that we should um, only honor, in quotes, uh, honor the um, exploits of Columbus sailing the ocean blue. I think it is uh, totally proper to, for us to look at what happened once Columbus got here, what happened to the indigenous peoples of South America, Central America, and uh, these United States uh, down the line. Uh, the, they were, I mean, to use a, a phrase, the indigenous peoples were glued, screwed, and tattooed by uh, the people who came here. And Were they tattooed? I, I, I understand the first two parts, but were they tattooed? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just, you know me. Um, Bob, you asking those questions. You know, we could have scrutinized yeah. the whole statement even differently, but, uh, you know, I don't want to go there. But, but well, yeah, I, I think, I mean, this is the, tis the season, early October, when we, as Americans, take a... Um, our annual look at at Chris Columbus, and you know, hopefully have have a serious discussion. I mean, you know, Columbus Park, Columbus School, uh, Columbus Avenue, or is it Columbus Street in Endicott? I mean, there are all these things that bear his name, and I know that some people really love it, but I also know there are some people in the community who really don't love it. So, you know, I say let's have discussions. Yes, I, I agree with you. 
I, I think there's, um, I mean, to say there's two sides to the Columbus story, uh, uh, for sure. And uh, uh, so indigenous peoples or whatever we, we call it indicates that we're looking at ourselves and making uh, ourselves aware of, of the facts, what, what happened and what is glossed over and what has been glossed over. I don't mean that should start uh, anything but discussions and coming to, you know, a compromise of celebration, I guess I'm calling yeah, well, I, I think in this country, everyone can celebrate however they want. Um, and I brought up about Columbus Street. I see Binghamton has a Columbus Street, and it goes into the town of Dickinson. And then there's uh, Columbus Place uh, near Columbus Park and Columbus Avenue, I believe, in Endicott. So lots of things that say uh, Columbus on them, Columbus School, I, you know. They've had Columbus School there at 164 Holly Street. How come nobody ever says anything about that? Well, you know, we were, we were. I think you were suggesting uh, a few years back, weren't you uh, uh, suggesting maybe considering uh, turning Main Street in Binghamton or, or Court into a, a Trump Avenue or Trump Street? No, that was John from Binghamton. He came up oh. with it, and it was so important that the New York Times covered it. And they even mentioned, they even mentioned uh, John from Binghamton calling into a local talk show and also mentioned how when John came up with the idea a few weeks after Donald Trump was inaugurated in uh, January 2017, how few, if any, elected officials around here showed any kind of support, including the Republican mayor and Republican members of city council. It was viewed... Uh, it was not viewed favorably after John proposed it. Correct. Yeah, well, uh, I guess it was good we didn't go down that road, so to speak. Well, I don't know if it's good or bad. I I didn't have a position. I mean, well, if I had a position, the only thing I would have said, and it, it has nothing to do from a political standpoint or a personal standpoint, has everything to do with wanting, wanting Binghamton to get all sorts of publicity. And so in that case, I would have been happy if they renamed all of Main Street, Trump Street, or even better, rename Riverside Drive into Trump Drive, because Binghamton would have gotten so much attention, not just in the U.S., but around the world, it would have been an economic boon. Again, it has nothing to do, this is not personal or political, it's just pragmatic, that would have helped our economy, because then Binghamton would have been in the forefront of of the world. Billions and billions of people would have heard about Binghamton if city council and the mayor had supported renaming Riverside Drive into Trump Drive. And you know, Bob, uh, my suggestion many years ago, uh, I wonder how that would have stood up. I was uh, I was for naming a cul-de-sac uh, in a Vestal Spiro T. Agnew cul-de-sac. Oh, I would go for that. Oh, would even you? at this late date. Well, not, necessi not, not necessarily Vestal. I know of a place in Endwell. Dude. There's a cul-de-sac in Endwell, and there are seven really nice homes. And then there's one where a drug kingpin lives. And they could rename that Spiro T. Agnew Circle. Yeah, that would be good. Well, at, uh, least, at least then, when they, when they hauled a 
drug kingpin in, it'd be fun to report that Joe Blow of 123 Spiro T. Agnew Circle in Nandwell faces a, a federal drug trafficking charge. What about that? Yeah, he could, and uh, he could defend himself as a nattering nabob of negativity. Well, no, he wouldn't defend himself, but he would blame me as a nadering okay. nabob of talk. You know, Bob, isn't it funny we're talking about this when I called about vaccinations? Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, hold that thought. Cause I, I, okay. So I was looking up this story. We, Oh, my goodness. It's been five and a half years since the uh, New York Times reported on John from Binghamton's idea. It was in the New York Times, April 8th, 2017. And the story was actually an opinion article in the Sunday Times of New York. And it says, the myth of Main Street. And this, listen to the lead. Shortly after Donald Trump was elected president, John Solak, a resident of Binghamton, New York, began lobbying the city to rename its Main Street, Trump Street. The proposal succinctly captured the hopes for economic salvation that Mr. Trump represented to so many voters in country towns and small cities across the nation. At each and every campaign stop, Mr. Solak explained to a Binghamton radio station that, of course, the Times refused to identify. He mentioned the blight of upstate New York. So that was the lead, and as, as always, when it comes to the New York Times, any time WNBF does something good, the New York Times just calls it a Binghamton radio station because it must be something I said. But it's, it's fascinating to me. Not that it's that big a deal, but you have to acknowledge the New York Times at least being consistent that they don't want to give credit to WNBF on those rare occasions where credit might be deserved. Do they have it out for you for some reason? No. No, they're just consistent. New York Times, if, say, something was in the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal or CBS News, they would identify it. But if it's on WNBF, it's just called a Binghamton radio station. I mean, do they have it out for me? No. It's just they don't want to give credit. And they do this, by the way, to other small operate, smaller entities as well. They'll be, you know, some story in, just say, Oklahoma, told in Oklahoma uh, Weekly or something. They, they don't want to. It's like, no, that would be, that would be just too much for us to, to identify a small news organization that also works hard every day of the year. Whereas, you know, if they were one of the big players, will will identify. No, it's just they don't want. They don't want to uh, credit people, and that's, hey, it's their policy. I mean, every once in a while, they they did a story um, a few weeks ago, actually, about uh, a disease affecting or afflicting dogs. Dogs were dropping dead. I think it was in Indiana. It's a small town. And for some reason, the New York Times apparently went against their usual policy and identified the news uh, organization, a weekly newspaper in a small town, and they actually identified that publication. I was shocked. I, you know, must be, must be the editor was away that day and, and that somehow slipped through, that they wanted to give credit to a news organization that 
that broke a story. So the New York Times uh, editorial people are, would you say, haughty? Is that why they're haughty? You know. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I'm, I, no. no, they're they're people just like us. They're fine people. In fact, one of the people who I actually referenced earlier, who who uh, saw the the speedy photo on Twitter, she she actually used to work here in Binghamton at the press and Sun Bulletin, and now she actually works for the New York Times. No, they're they're good people. I'm I'm not complaining about the people. Everybody who works at the New York Times is a great person, of course, and. Uh, if you get to work at the Times, you're going to be an excellent journalist. Of course, they're not going to hire people like me. But, um, you know, it's that's just policy. As they would say, it's not personal. It's just policy. Yeah. Yeah. Policy covers a lot of sins, actually. Well, sure. It's, it's like getting, <laughs> boy, talk about circling back. As you mentioned hours ago, you were calling about vaccinations. Yeah. The the thing about vaccinations is there are rules and regulations and guidelines and that's i think at the new york times the, i think the general guideline or an unwritten rule is rarely are you to identify a local small news organization because that only makes them feel good that they actually after years of work they did a story that that got national recognition and they only think that it's you know, it would be it would go to their head if you mentioned their station or their newspaper like once every ten or fifteen years. Do do we do we have time for me to mention something about vaccinations, or should I say? Oh, go right ahead. I'm not going well, anywhere. I, I'm I'm locked in my I'm locked in this cage with a microphone and a telephone till noon, so I ain't going anywhere. I feel your pain. I was uh, listening to Dave. Dave called in about. Um, vaccinations and um, the military. And it made me reminisce about uh, 50 years ago when I was in basic training and we were lined up uh, one day into our maybe the first week or second week of training uh, outside a dispensary. And there were hundreds, if not thousands of airmen waiting, walking in in line in file. And as we walked down um, the the uh, building inside the building there was a technician on my right side and one on the left side and they both had guns uh, into you but you were in the military and you're advised as soon as you come in the military that you are not under the legal code of uh, the united states or the state you're living in you're you operate under the uniform code of military justice it's their own form of a law and justice. And so you get the shot or you're in trouble. Now, I don't know how it works today. This is 50 years down the line. But uh, I know going through, I had no say in it. And uh, I didn't see anyone step out of line at that time. Yeah. Well. Can you imagine? Can can you imagine a military where people could do whatever they wanted? What kind of a military would that be? Oh, hi, Bob. Uh, this is the U.S. military. You're you're now in the army. No, better yet, you're now a member of the space force. Ooh, so um, you're going to be flying around the universe in rocket ships or whatever, and. Uh, 
You don't have to follow any rules because this is the Space Force of 2022. The U.S. military no longer has any rules or regulations about vaccines or about uh, your uniform or whatever. Can you imagine? Well, that's what Goldie Hawn was. Goldie Hawn? Goldie Hawn in Private Benjamin. She said, where are the condos? Where You know, this is supposed to be a fun place. And then she... She realized uh, she was under a different, uh, shall we say, code of justice, uniform code of military justice. So anyone in the military uh, who's uh, been through training and such um, will understand what I'm saying with that uh, different code that guided uh, what you could do and couldn't do once you were in. So was it fun? I've never served in the military. Is it fun? Well, I, I liked it. I mean, I like I did you have I, fun? Uh, yeah, I had, I had some fun. All right. Yeah, uh, wasn't pure fun. But, well, same here. Uh, I, I have fun sometimes on the program, but it's not pure fun. But yeah. see, I, if I had known, obviously now I'm too old to serve my nation. But if I had, had known when I was within the window of acceptability, maybe I would have signed up if I knew there was any fun to it. The only, the only thing I always thought about it. There's, they're going to teach you, and excuse me for asking, did they teach you how to kill? Uh, no, I, I was in the Air Force. Oh, okay. Well, see, I would do that. I, I couldn't go into, I couldn't go into an operation. That's also why my law enforcement aspirations were snuffed early, because when I heard that as part of, say, a law enforcement academy or military or whatever, at at one point there's going to be a, a day where they teach you how to kill, and I, you know, it's like. Can't, I'm not going to kill anybody. But, Bob, you want to be a police officer. But I don't want to kill anybody. I, uh, do I have to have a gun? And it'd be me in the military, too. It's like, hey, you signed up, bucko, for the Army. So tomorrow we're, we're having a session of how to kill the enemy. And it'd be like, but I don't want to kill the enemy. And then, you know, the, the guy in charge, or these days it could be a woman, they would say, so you signed up for the U.S. Army and you don't want to learn how to kill the enemy and be like, no. I'd be court-martialed. Yeah. I, I don't even know what I don't even know what they would do. I'd be I'd be out on my butt so fast it'd make my head spin if I survived. You know, I mean seriously. I I just can't I can't put myself in that but thankfully, and again, I'm not saying that police officers and soldiers people in the military don't need to learn how to do that because that's how they protect and serve but i'm just saying well, that's we, that's why i couldn't do it they trained me to be an accounting specialist so i didn't have much uh, you know opportunity see if they had it well see if if they had like a radio station i could run their morning show Ooh, yeah good, good morning, morning yeah. north korea absolutely or whatever all right. Well, I uh, I do appreciate your call, and I think we, I think over the last twenty four minutes, we certainly. Oh my God! I'm sorry. I took up all that time. See you at the parade. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you at the parade, and don't forget the Italian fest because there'll be delicious Italian foods at the Italian fest. For sure. And by the way, I think by that time. Bosco's front door is going to be fixed. I, I saw the guys fixing the, the front door for Bosco's, and I think the goal is to have um, a dedication of the brand-new front door with elected officials and candidates uh, right after the parade.
I'll be there. Okay. I'm kidding about that, by the way, about the part that they're going to have a dedication, but they are fixing oh. it. I mean, they should. Now, maybe that's what they're going to announce this afternoon about the, about Columbus Day. Maybe that's what the big announcement is. Could be. Maybe Senator Charles Schumer, along with Governor Kathy Hochul, and President Joe Biden will show up for the dedication of the new front entrance to the Boscow's department store. We should hold the ribbon, Bob. I'll hold one and you hold the other. Thank you. Uh, WNBF, we're certainly covering it all today. Live and local on a Wednesday morning, 607-772-1290. And email bob at wnbf.com. WNBF News Radio, 1290 AM, 92.1 FM. Hey, we have uh, big news, big news just in on the ticker. Okay, on the screen from uh, page six, that's New York Post, page six, and Riley. Cardoza has reported the news. Hillary Swank has twin babies on the way. She's 48. She told the Good Morning America team on ABC today that she was so happy to share news of her expanding family. Uh, Hillary Swank gushed on TV. This is something that I've been wanting for a long time. And my next thing is I'm going to be a mom. And not just of one, but of two. The Oscar winner, who did not clarify whether she is carrying the children, went on to say that she can't believe it. Hillary Swank has been vocal about her plans for children over the years. I didn't realize. I just haven't followed the issue that closely. Uh, she told The People magazine in 2006, I definitely would like kids someday. That's definitely something that I've always thought about as a very young girl. Actually, here's, let me uh, run this. This is a clip from the ABC breakfast chat show called The Good Morning America Show. And here's a little clip that The Good Morning American Show posted on Twitter. It says uh, live Hillary Swank in Times Square. So let's listen together as she shared the dramatic news. We hear that you have something that you'd like to share with folks. Yeah, I do, and I'm so happy to share it with you um, and with America right now. This is um, something that I've been wanting for um, a long time, and my next thing is I'm going to be a mom. <laughs> Just a one, but of two. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. 
We probably should have led with that. That seems like a... Oh, my goodness. Congratulations. Thank you. you and it's so yeah. nice to be able to talk about it and yeah. share it. And Assuming it's far enough along that it's... Or that it's far enough along that... that I can share it. Um, that right. you can share. And this is like... The, oh I'm sharing goodness. it right now. I'm it for the first time. You know, it's so great that you're sharing it. Thank We're you. Not, not hearing it from yes. anyone else, but from you. And that's Thank how you, you roll. Control Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with our audience. It means a lot. <laughs> Thank you, ABC, for not asking any follow-up questions. And that is Good Morning, America. <laughs> they run that. And it's great news, of course. We're all excited for Hillary Swink with two babies, twins on the way. I mean, I... Hey... I know twins, and I love twins, but it just seems to me that the highly paid journalist at the Good Morning America operation could have done some follow-up questions, maybe, to better report the story. I mean, if she wants to talk about it, and that's great. She certainly wasn't compelled to discuss twin babies on the way, but since she wanted to discuss it, it seems to me that... There were a few other questions that needed or should have been asked, but again, maybe because of HIPAA, they couldn't ask her. But that's probably why Hillary Swank made the announcement on that program instead of this program, because I think she knew I would be asking some follow-up questions, just out of curiosity. 1054, Bob Joseph sharing the good news on WNBF. Wednesday morning with Bob Joseph, WNBF. We'll be taking calls next hour to see what you, the American people, have to say about the state of the nation. Good news today. President Joe Biden will be meeting with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and it promises to be um, a very important meeting. Looking forward to uh, hearing what the president and the governor have to say in the aftermath of the devastation that has affected so many people in Florida. And President Biden will be examining some of the hardest hit areas and also offering the assistance of the federal government and the American people to help those in Florida recover following the hurricane. And we continue to wish everybody in Florida and elsewhere in the southeast who uh, experienced either uh, loss of life or loss of property in the hurricane, we wish everybody the best in the coming days and weeks. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF Binghamton at 11 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Some improving conditions for today with sunshine moving into the area. Temperatures rebounding into the upper 60s might hit the 70s in a move that could mean work for southern tier job seekers willing to commute to Syracuse. 
Micron, one of the world's largest microchip manufacturers, has announced it will open a semiconductor plant in Onondaga County, promising a long-term investment of up to $100 billion and a plant that could bring 50,000 jobs to New York State. The company was lured to the Syracuse area with the help of a generous set of federal, state, and local incentives, including up to $5.5 billion in state tax credits over 20 years. In addition to tax credits tied to investment and job creation, New York has pledged $200 million for road and infrastructure improvements where the plant is being built in Clay, New York, and $100 million to a community benefit fund. The state will also review supplying the operation with low-cost power. Companies like Micron manufacture the diminutive chips that power everything from smartphones to automobiles. The company plans to invest up to $100 billion over the next 20-plus years to construct the project with the first investment of $20 billion planned by the end of the decade. The deal is also expected to bring more than 9,000 Micron jobs, and officials believe it could also bring close to 40,000 other auxiliary jobs into the region from suppliers to contractors. The the company says it needs a large site for a facility that could ultimately encompass 2.4 million square feet. That also means having water and power infrastructure in place to accommodate the production of memory chips. A location in Endicott that once served up burgers and fries and later an iconic local ice cream will soon be brewing up a new product for sale. Crooked Mouth Brewing is setting up shop in a building on Vestal Avenue just west of the former Kmart Plaza that originally was built in the 1960s as Endicott's first McDonald's restaurant and was later a Pat Mitchell's ice cream shop. The property was acquired just over a year ago by Crooked Holdings LLC of Vestal. Jess Olson and Sean Campbell are partners in the craft brewery. And Olson says he and Campbell are excited after a lot of work preparing the site. They'll finally be brewing some beer. Olson says the brewery will have five tables for seating along with about 20 bar seats and a limited menu of sandwiches. Olson says following a health department inspection, beer production should be able to start in the next couple of weeks. And he expects the brewing company will be able to open to the public the last week of October or the first week of November. Delaware County Sheriff's officials say a woman is accused of trying to buy items on someone else's charge account. According to a news release from the Sheriff's Office, Catherine Shepler of Jefferson is accused of intentionally purchasing items on a charge account belonging to another person in the town of Stamford. Investigators say Shepler allegedly had signed the name of the victim on a receipt. Delaware County Sheriff's officials say Shepler has been charged with one misdemeanor count of forgery. The Jefferson woman was released on an appearance ticket and ordered back in the town of Stamford Court at a later date. A portion of a heavily traveled road in Johnson City is being named after a fallen village police officer. New York State Senator Fred Akshar, Assemblywoman Donna Lopardo, Johnson City Police Chief Brent Dodge, Police Chaplain Father Dennis Ruda, representatives of the New York State Department of Transportation and the family of Officer David D.W. Smith unveiled the new sign designating part of Main Street, New York Route 17C in the village, the Patrolman David D.W. Smith Memorial Highway. The veteran patrolman was gunned down near Wilson Hospital in 2014 after responding to a report of a disturbed man. The man grabbed the patrolman's service weapon and fatally shot him before he was shot himself fatally by other responding officers. WMBF Twin Tiers forecast. 
gradually becoming mostly sunny for today. A real roller coaster ride as far as temperatures for the next few days. The high today getting into the upper 60s, maybe even the low 70s in some spots. Tonight, mostly clear with patchy fog toward morning, a low in the low 40s. Thursday starts off with patchy fog, otherwise mostly sunny and a high in the low 70s. Then about a 10 degree shift in temperatures for Friday, partly sunny with a 40% chance of showers and a high only into the lower 60s. Saturday, another 10 degree drop in temperatures, mostly sunny, a high only in the low 50s. Sunday sunny, a high in the mid to upper 50s. And for the holiday and the parade downtown Binghamton on Monday, mostly sunny and a high near 60. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio Good morning and greetings on this Wednesday. I'll be here till noon. And in addition to taking phone calls, we'll be uh, reviewing the email submissions. And uh, take a couple of good submissions so far. Let me take a look at uh, a couple of the latest. Ma- oh, here's one uh, from Owego, Jesse and Owego, about the military. Well, Bob, of course, they are doing what they want now in the military. Sex changes at our expense. Jesse wrote, just saying, it's not the same anymore. I can't imagine being in the military in today's society. Hmm. All right. Well, I think, I think that the military is probably doing quite well. Now, I don't know as far as are people paying attention to the rules. I I can't say for sure if they're paying attention to the rules. Gosh, I hope they are because that's that's a key to the military. If you want to have um, things running correctly in the military, it would make sense. It would really, really make sense to have... Um, people who follow the rules and regulations and now I don't remember 
if I read this, Peter from Binghamton, maybe I did read it. Um, he wrote about the military being vaccinated. I wonder if your caller who suggested that vaccines be optional ever served in the military. If he did, I wonder what other regulations did he consider to be optional? How can the military maintain good order and discipline when soldiers can make regs optional? That's a good point. Actually, I did fire off uh, a response. I don't usually send a response to callers, you know, if we're going to use it on the air. I might comment on the air, but I did send a, a reply to Peter from Binghamton. Thanks for the note. I can't imagine how challenging it is for the military or law enforcement agencies to maintain good order and discipline these days. I mean, if you have a bunch of people who show up on day one, whether it's for the training, whatever they do in the military. Again, I've never served in the military, so I don't know exactly how, how they do it when you show up. But I'm sure on the first day, they make th a few things crystal clear to you. And, and one is something to the effect... You're now in the military. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Now pay close attention because we're only going to say this. We're only going to go over this once. So pay very, very careful attention to what I'm about to say. And I think the gist of it would be, so in modern society, in the United States and elsewhere in the world, a lot of people like doing their own thing. And that Maybe that works in modern society. You are now in the U.S. military. So insofar as your responsibilities as part of the greatest military ever, you must, you must follow the rules and regulations. There are many rules. There are many regulations. You must follow them. That is the only way that the U.S. military can accomplish its mission. It was something to that effect, and I imagine that's about the same sort of welcome you get at the law enforcement academy. If you show up at the Broome County Law Enforcement Academy, if you've been selected, you've made it that far, they also probably say something like that. Maybe somewhat harsher and maybe a bit louder but the the essence is you've chosen the military or you've chosen law enforcement and because of that choice this is what you need to know well do i have to get vaccinated i see that there's this vaccine requirement i don't see how that goes over well i i just don't understand whether it's military people who don't want to follow the rules and regs or law enforcement people or people in some other critical endeavors. Now, here at the station where I work, we do have rules and regulations. And one of the things that they said during the pandemic, they wanted everyone basically to get vaccinated. And then show your vaccination card and they kept track of it now i would say well over 90 percent of the people who work at the beautiful town square media complex in binghamton 
complied. Did some people want necessarily to get vaccinated? Maybe some didn't. But for the most part, did we have 100% compliance? No. What can you do? You know, there, there are always going to be some people who, for various reasons, don't want to comply with a directive. So what can you do? It's life. It's life. But again, when it comes to military or police operations, if you've got a bunch of people, you know, I'm just trying to imagine this. You know, say you're the police chief of a fine city like Binghamton, and you've got patrol officers, Officer Bob reporting for duty, and, you know, they're getting getting you and the other officers, the men and women who are going to protect and serve this great city, ready to go out on the next tour. They're going over the stuff. And then you've got me, Officer Bob, saying, well, I don't know, I don't think I want to patrol that that neighborhood tonight, okay? I would be dismissed. Chief Sikoski would dismiss me. Officer Bob, you have to follow the directives. You're assigned to this detail. Well, I don't want to. Okay, well, you're assigned to a downtown walking post. Well, I don't want to walk. It's too cold. I don't even imagine what the chief would say. He'd be like, all right, Officer Bob, go back to radio. Go back to radio. You weren't cut out for this job. All right, let's take a call. WNBF, good morning. This is Officer Bob. What's your first name and where are you calling from? This is Vinny from Binghamton. What's up? And yes, I'd like to talk about, I see just in our uh, news today that, um, once again, OPEC and its allies want to cut, are going to be cutting production. Two million barrels, two million barrels a day they're going to cut. Now, you know, we got that leak in the ocean out there, and these son of a guns want, and this is, this is exactly what I've been talking about, Bob, with, with Saudi Arabia. These son of a guns don't give a dang. They do not want these electric vehicles. They want to mess with the American people, you know, allies. It's just amazing of the greed and the non-caring about themselves and the world. You know, but behind this... But the thing is, is they're, just, they're just business people doing business. I mean, I agree that they don't care about us, but, you know, what other country... Heck... For U.S. businesses, U.S. businesses take the same approach many times. So you know, but you see, but you see what's going on now. They're making money. They're making tons of money, and now with all this, oh, let's let's cut back production. What do you mean cut back production now? The way it was going on in the world with COVID. My God, China's still trying to deal with it and high inflation. So these son of a guns want to cut it. But you know, I'm glad we're doing what we're what we're doing. As a matter of fact, I just got an article here where um, Hertz is unveiling a plan to order up to 175,000 EVs from General Motors over the next five years. All these other rental car, car companies are buying or leasing EVs. But this is believed to be the largest of its kind and will span a wide range of vehicle categories and rental prices. This thing is coming whether OPEC likes it or not. I'm telling you right now, they're talking about the car companies because these these electric, these EVs, they're a little bit heavier. So you've got 
all the tire companies making better tires because it's a little bit more weight. And so they're also doing things These because the, they're, um, you know, and you're probably going to have to do, there's so, let me just say this. There's so much information coming in because we're, we're in the early stages of these EVs, but this is why I welcome them because I'm sick of them over there playing, playing games, sitting around, you know, and, and, and just messing with the world economy with oil. What yeah, but what about the big oil companies? How come you're not upset about them? How come you're oh, no, how come no, you're no, focusing no. on OPEC? What about the oil companies that are making billions of dollars in extra profits? Bob, there was just an article in our paper back in September. Biden, do not raise gas prices because of Ian. America's watching, President tells the companies. Now, I've heard a, a caller or two talk about... have down there in Washington are going to sit there and we need to start putting out lies to the American people. But this thing is coming and there's nothing you can do about it. And I'm glad. I am glad because I'm going to buy one myself because I'm tired of it. There's no reason for these prices to be up the way they are. And, and there's the president right there on the paper telling them, do not raise gas prices because of Ian. All this speculation, all this guessing, it's all nonsense. Well, it's, it's really complicated. Yeah, you don't want to explain it. So you don't run a company unless you know what you're doing. You just don't want to explain it to the American people that we want to hose you. That, and that's, that's all it is. Well, at least they're consistent. I, I don't well, know. You know. It doesn't come as any surprise to anyone that well, OPEC and the people that run the global energy businesses want to extract the maximum amount of money from innocent people like you and me. That's what they do. That's what they've been doing. Exactly. So what happens at this point, we need a choice. You need a choice. That's the only way you're going to fight this is you need a choice. And that's what's coming with the EVs. And you watch them. They'll cut oh, more people. All oh, the news comes out. More people are getting the EVs. Because there's a lot of cheaper ones out there, too. Some people, oh, it's so expensive. No, this is, the early, this is one of the early stages. But this is the way they're going. Well, remember, I mean, remember when, when the first calculators came out, they were really expensive. Now you can get multifunction calculators. Heck, you get, you get a calculator on your phone that does a zillion things more than the first calculators that Texas Instruments was putting out. I mean, the prices will come down. Soon, That's why soon the, the, the electric vehicle prices will be so cheap, it'll, it'll, it'll shock people. It'll shock people. I it, 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 Bob, that also, I don't know what uh, type of chips they're going to be making up at this plant that's going to be coming up here in Syracuse area. I think clay. I hope it's, I hope it's ones for um, uh, uh, these cars because China's messed up now. Oh, they I know. They can't get a handle on that COVID, and that's where we get them. So uh, there was an article I was reading where all these manufacturing are coming back here now because they can't wait. And yeah. that's great. No, I, I think finally, finally maybe the U.S. has learned a lesson a, a, a valuable lesson. Sadly, it took a pandemic to teach us a really important lesson about supply chain issues and other matters. As a bottom line, we whether it's the chips we need for almost every every product that involves any level of technology, we need those chips, and they're in short supply. But also other things, and I've talked about baby formula and something as 
seemingly simple as toilet paper. Come on, man. Look, we, we somehow managed to muddle through the worst days of the pandemic, but let's, let's start building up the manufacturing infrastructure so we can make enough toilet paper in this country to serve all 331 million people who need it and baby formula and everything else. We have the people, we have the resources. Apparently, some people just don't want to invest the money. WNBF on a Wednesday morning, it's October 5th, only a few shopping days left to the holiday season. So if you're planning to buy stuff for the holiday season, you better get to the stores before there's another manufactured shortage. You know, this week, the big thing is, oh, butter, oh, my. You know, two months ago it was Hershey saying, "Oh, not enough candy for Halloween." Oh my! And what other manufactured shortages will we read about in the Wall Street Journal in the coming days? Oh my! Not enough hot dogs. Oh my! Hi, WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Joan from Bingo. Hey, Joan. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I heard you talking about oil and gas prices and all that, and that's what the red-eye guys were talking about last night. But uh, the main part, uh, what makes me mad is that, um, you know, OPEC raises prices, you know, good for them. What can we do about it? But when Biden screws us by decreasing U.S. production by 38 percent, and that was, oh, my God, probably six months or eight months ago. Who knows what it is now? I mean, that's what makes me mad. I mean, OPEC is OPEC. I mean, they can sell their oil at whatever they want. But uh, when we have our own government, you know, um, holding back, and it's not only holding back on oil for price, it's jobs and, you know, if you want to call it fracking for, you know, uh, natural gas or whatever's raising the prices, you know, um, that's what makes me mad. Heck with OPEC. Well, I would never say heck, heck with OPEC. No, OPEC, OPEC deserves our full wrath for trying to mess with us when we're down. We don't need, we don't need people like OPEC to try to profit during our time of need. You know, yes, they're business people, but they don't have to be so greedy. They, they're still. Don't think for a minute that the people of OPEC still aren't making huge sums of money, even with oil and gasoline prices at their present point. They want greed times three. Yeah, but that's just diverting. How about us? I mean, uh, I think oil and ga gasoline revenues are, if it's not the top earner for U.S. Uh, income and, you know, for the government, taxation on it, et cetera, I mean, it's probably the first first or second. So, I mean, uh, Biden is, is screwing us over all over the place. I think they said... Yeah, but uh, what about Hunter? Hunter Biden, what about him? Yeah, that's coming back with a, with a vengeance on, what's his name last night? Uh, um, uh, I know they said it was going to be out of program. I don't get it, but uh, he was uh, the fellow that... Um, um, 
gave up some of the information and was uh, uh, Hunter's partner or Bill Biden's partner in Ukraine and all the money and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and how the DOJ, you know, hit it all and the uh, uh, FBI just sat on the information and said, oh, we don't have enough information yet. So he decided to come out and said, before another election, this information is going to come out. They hid it for the last election, but they're not going to hide it for this one. So that's what he, I guess that's what he said about coming out and, you know, saying that he was a partner and, you know, all the stuff that was going on, you know, and how Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and I guess other parts of the swamp. Were well, what about money. Dr. Jill Biden? What outcome? She's not being investigated. How does how does she escape scrutiny during this entire thing? Well, I don't know that she's not being investigated. They just didn't mention her. They said many other people in the swamp. So both Republican and Democrat, you know, were making money in Ukraine. So, you know, uh, Joe was, uh, you know, in the highest level of everything to uh, influence and make money. I guess, and well, that's the American way. His His predecessor was in business to make money. Uh, Even Barack Obama, although he was, I guess, before uh, becoming president, a community organizer, still Barack Obama wanted to make money. So there's nothing wrong with making lots of money. That is, to be blunt, the American way. That's what we are here for—to make money. Not if you're selling influence. You do what you got to do, as long as you don't break the law. You know. And you don't want to get a vaccine and follow all the rules. Man, oh, man, sometimes you're on both sides of everything. You know, you're like... I'm trying to be pragmatic. No, you have, to fo- you, you have to follow the rules about vaccines, but when it comes to making money, as long as you don't break the law... Well, I mean, he was breaking the law. He's telling influence. Who said, wait, he broke the law, but he hasn't been convicted of that, so... In the eyes of of the nation and the judicial system, he's as innocent as we are. We're innocent because we haven't been convicted of anything, and and so is he. Hunter Biden, as far as I know, when when is the last time Hunter Biden was convicted of anything? Well, he's going to be. Well, I can't see the future. You can't. Well, let's hope not. The powers that be don't, uh, you know, uh, because they're, they're partially responsible in all probability, as he said, there's more people in the swamp than we know about on both sides of the ticket, you know. And so, you know, I... I what about that, Kathy Hochul? How come nobody investigates her? Oh, well, her time may come. Well, when? Look, the election's coming up in a few weeks, and nobody's investigating her, as far as I know. <sighs> I mean, we have so much corruption, we just don't know where to start, huh? I'm not saying that. I'm saying we should saying? Have, no, I'm saying we need more investigations to find out. I I don't know. I I have no no proof of any corruption whether it's here in Broome County or anywhere else. I mean, as they say, where there's smoke there's fire, but I can't prove anything. Hey, you're the investigative reporter. Yeah, well, if I didn't have to spend if I didn't have to spend three hours in this cage every morning from nine to noon, maybe I'd be able to go out and make some headway. Well, tell them you only want to do it for two hours and you want to make headway for one hour. No, we already tried me doing two hours, and I was very disappointed with how that worked out. No, I need three hours to get it out of my system. Oh, okay. 
don't you think? Well, you could go, you know, totally, you know, you could go I could what? five hours. I could what? Go, go five hours. Okay. Like guys. I'll go on five hours if they give me a permission. The problem here, Joan, mm -hmm. is they, they impose rules. They tell me that the program runs from 9 to noon and say, today, I really want to be on for two more hours, but... I'll be darned if I try that because it'll probably result in my termination. I don't have permission to do a five-hour program today, even though I want to. And even though I think that would be a community service, I think, and nothing against the next show, that's a great show, but I think, in my humble opinion, that the community would be better served today if I was on till two. But you know what? I can't do it because they have rules around here. Yeah, but the question is, we need, we do need more information. That's true. But is that going to really change anything? Sometimes I wonder. I do too. No, that's. Uh... I mean, there's so much information out there, and people look at it and they go, "Eh, who cares?" Yeah, you have a point. We have more information theoretically now. We have more information at our fingertips than any humans have ever had and and to your point in the in the long run is it really making a bit of difference i i actually think that with all the information that we have today in 2022 i think the people who are running our government are doing a much better job of concealing what they're actually up to despite the internet so I, I, th I think sometimes they give us the illusion of transparency because, oh, look at all the stuff we dumped onto the website. Bob, do you want stuff? Look at our website. There's plenty of stuff. And to be sure, there is plenty of stuff on most of these websites. It's just not the stuff we want or the stuff we need. You know, when, you, when I have a question or a few questions about an important story, Trust me, most of the information I need to report a story locally is not available on their website. But, boy, they have a lot of stuff. And when you call them trying to get the information, either they never return a call or they put out an email. Send me your questions, an email. What, how can you report a story completely when you're attempting to do it by email? Because, let's face it, and you can appreciate this. When somebody yeah, say say when when someone asks a question and then you get an answer, then typically you might want to do a follow up. But how does that work? It doesn't work very well if you're doing it by email. But that's what they that's what they want to do. Yeah, but the other problem is, you know, if they don't answer you, well, that's one thing you get pissed off. But when they lie to your face, and it's so blatant a lie, that's that's what really pisses, I think, a lot of people off. It's just that they just blatantly lie to your face. It's just oh yeah, but they they in other words, you're just saying you're stupid. You can't well, even see that that piece of paper. Mm, you know, is white no, I think or, sometimes I think they, I think they engage in the fine art of prevarication, even though they know. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Even though they know that you know, they're not being truthful or complete. But it's just, it's sort of this kabuki dance. Oh, well, Bob, you ask your question, then I'll, I'll respond. So you can't say, I didn't answer a question, but usually the response avoids 
providing the information you are seeking. I mean, it's just, I know, it's sometimes it feels like an exercise in futility, but I'm... I'm not prepared to stop at this point. 11.36. We've got more calls coming up. Thank you so much for listening to us on a Wednesday morning. This is Bob Joseph, News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. You don't have... WNBF 1139, back the phones ago. It's Jim in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Yeah, good morning. I um, I wanted to start off with a, a basic tenet that you alluded to in a previous call. Equal justice under law or equal protection under law. And um, I agree that um, Hunter Biden is currently as innocent in the eyes of the law as you or me. Uh, the same as uh, DJT, you know, the former guy. Um, and everybody likes to prognosticate and uh, prevaricate uh, regarding these two, regarding the, uh, the allegations stacked up against them and their family. Um, what say you on the matter? Well, you're not going to get an argument from me on that. <laughs> um, how about the uh, the prognostication end of it? Like, I believe that, um, like uh, uh, Billy Carter and uh, and Roger Clinton that uh, Hunter Biden is something of an albatross around his father's neck. Um, that being said, I would say that uh, the former guy is an albatross around the neck of uh, Jared, Ivanka, DJ, DJ, Eric, uh, Baron, Tiffany, you know, I mean, he, right. Well, I, I mean, uh, I, I think the bottom line is, if anybody wants to be president, they they should be childless. Huh. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm not saying that should be a requirement, but I I can understand how how people who are parents, if they aspire to be a president or for that matter a mayor. I mean, look, we. You know, I don't want to bring bring up uh, um, unsavory things that happened decades ago. But for example, one time in Binghamton, we had a mayor, and her son drove a city-owned car to California. Well, what are you going to do? I, I mean, I. It's just the thing is, if you have kids, uh, odds are your kid might occasionally do something that that doesn't help help your cause, especially if you're in politics. She also had a husband, and oh, uh, I yeah, were, yeah, you know, so, and, and, you know, I mean, and well, and that's the thing. If if you're going to be a mayor, a county executive, a governor, a president, or anything, better not to have a spouse, and better better not to have any kids, unless you want unpleasantries to to happen. I mean, let's face it; there have been all sorts of uh, elected officials and sometimes candidates who've had to endure 
the unpleasantness when when a relative has has done something that's that's not particularly flattering. Correct. Exactly. So, like, you know. how do, but at the same time, oftentimes they, uh, with nepotism, uh, they're able to sweep things under the rug and make things go away. You know, Matt Gates uh, in Florida's father is involved in politics, and they're uber wealthy. And uh, I have a feeling that the fix was in for him, since they and since they're not going to be dropping uh, an indictment against him. Apparently, um, I, so in, in your line of thinking, Lindsey Graham is like the uh, the ideal candidate for twenty twenty four. Well, maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I'll have to think more. Appreciate your call. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Jim. (laughs) Although, he brought up Billy Carter. I mean, and I miss Billy Carter, and I I think the world is the poorer that Billy Carter is no longer around. But let's face it, Billy Carter did bring America Billy Beer. So I'm just saying... Maybe if Hunter Biden comes up with Hunter beer, like um, Hunter Breakfast Stout, HBS. Hunter Breakfast Stout, an imperial stout aged in moxie barrels. Maybe people would like him better. Can you imagine Hunter beer? I would buy a can of that. Ray from Fort Crane, good morning. Hey, how you doing, Bob boy? I'm getting ready to go down to Florida. You want to go down? Uh, not at this time, but check with me in February because I, I I probably will be ready to go to Florida in February. Yeah, well, I won't be going down for another month or so, so I'll probably jingle to your bells over there another time before I go. But uh, I'll give you a call from down there and let you know how things are panning out over there. I checked. We didn't get any damage from that hurricane. What what area of Florida will you be heading to? Deltona. All right. Well, it, so, it sounds like that'll be be nice for you. And of course, we continue to wish everyone the best. Who were all the people in Florida who were um, so so seriously affected by the storm? Of course, the death toll continues to climb in some parts of the Florida, Florida as the the searching continues. So it's it's all all very sad. I mainly phoned in because uh, I run into people there say, how come I haven't been phoning in? They just wonder what happened to me. I'm getting to be like an old timer, you know. <laughs> so they kind of wonder what, what I've been doing. I've been uh, hanging in there and uh, just just taking things as they come. All right. And well, I, I am so glad to hear from you, and I, I hope you'll uh, uh, call in a few times. I've I've missed your voice. Oh, you, you betcha. Okay, have a good day there, Bob, and uh, happy sailing to all the listeners. Thank you so much. That's Ray in Port Crane, a longtime listener, and now a more occasional caller, but we'll look forward to hearing from him every so often right here on WNBF. If you haven't called today, I encourage you to uh, try now. Not much time left, but there probably is time if you're quick. To get on the air on this Wednesday morning, 607-772-1290. Or send an email, a thoughtful email, to bob at wnbf.com. Ad paid for.
more calls more often on WNBF. Tom in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, question, I guess. Uh, I, the uh, guy who runs the airport was on your show here uh, last week or so. Um, my question is, did anybody ask him who's going to handle the bags and like de-ice the plane and do all that groundwork? Because from my understanding, some people that work up there, they're having county employees doing it. And my question would be, isn't that using taxpayers' money to benefit a private sector business? It did come up, and when I spoke with the commissioner, I think about two weeks ago, we touched on that briefly, and I believe his answer was yes. Yeah, I, just, I, I didn't uh, ask him specifically about de-icing planes. I think my question was about, um, say, handling baggage. And I, I believe that part of the arrangement with the new airline is that county employees will be handling those tasks. Yeah. That's why I just wondered. Yeah. You know, kind of where does it end? Because if they bring a restaurant in there and they need help from 11 to 1, to help because it's busy do they pull county employees to help that vendor out too you know? yeah i i don't know i don't know where they would draw the line but i also know that uh shall we say in challenging times sometimes oh, yeah. new, new concepts have to be explored and you know unfortunately well, yeah i just wondering yeah all. no i and i did bring it up we didn't dwell on it but we did touch on it briefly when when the commissioner when mark keefner was last on Oh, okay. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks for your call. 1150. This is Bob Joseph, a guy who seems to have a few questions. Walter from Tioga County. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. I have an issue that I became aware of yesterday that I thought I'd bring to you and your listeners' attention. Um, I have fixed rates with my electrical supply. I've always picked fixed. I've never wanted the, the, the variable. I, I, you know, just worried about Spikes like we saw down in Texas. So my contract's coming due shortly, and I spoke to the supplier, and they said, we're sorry, we're not going to be able to renew you because fixed-rate contracts um, are just not available any longer for homeowners. Um, he said there might be one outfit in the state that does it, but I'm not sure. I find that very disturbing uh, to be at the, at the mercy of the fluctuating rate. I'd much rather nail down a fixed-rate have you heard anything about that, Bob, that that's no longer or very, very limited availability for consumers? First, I've heard about it, and I find it troubling because I, I'm yeah. like you. I, I for um, various contracts, energy contracts or whatever, I, uh, I would almost always opt for a fixed rate because I don't like to gamble. Right, right. And, and the guy told me I'm leaving a rate of I think I'm right at about five cents, maybe a smidgen under five cents. And um, I don't know. I mean, the numbers today, I don't know. They're certainly over eight. This individual said in the Albany area, I forget what it was, 11 to 15 cents per kilowatt hour. And um, it's just very troubling. I, I want to nail that down. So I thought I'd throw that out there. Maybe some of the other listeners, maybe somebody works at NYSEG and will know a lot more about this and think, no, 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 that Walter was wrong. There's plenty of contracts. But I don't think so. Yeah. Well, what what's your uh, current ener electrical electricity supplier? Uh, uh, Moravidal. And they're wonderful. I love Moravidal. Right. And uh, hmm. uh, local, good guys, good good outfit. 
and uh, I'm just concerned. That's the thing. Hey, thanks for bringing it up. We may not be able to make much progress on it uh, this morning because we're almost wrapped up, but maybe uh, tomorrow and Friday we'll talk more about that. Thank you so much. 11.52, I'm Bob Joseph on your side from a little studio with blue and gray walls surrounded by tons of concrete and steel and a logo to the left of me that says W. N B F Brilliant blue letters all caps Looking for WNBF, your live local talk show. Thunder and lightning, I don't think we'll see any thunder or lightning in the forecast. Let me just double-check. I heard this morning, I heard in the tri-state area, as in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, that they might actually have some thunder and lightning today. I don't think that's in our forecast here in the Binghamton area. Partly sunny today, a slight chance of showers. High 69, mainly clear tonight, patchy fog developing, low 45, mostly sunny tomorrow, high 74. So, you know, it would be a good day for me to call in sick. Hey, hey, this is Bob. I, I think I might have been exposed to COVID-24. Uh, I think I'm going to be out today to... Um, hang out with the dogs on the deck. I mean, to protect other employees. Yeah, I don't think that's going to fly. The problem is, now if I'm going to call in sick to enjoy the beautiful weather tomorrow, I had to go and spoil the surprise by talking about it on the program. So I have to come up with another gambit. So sunny tomorrow, 74. Friday, not so nice, mostly cloudy. A chance of showers, 54. So what does it mean to you? means basically that a front will be coming through and so this brief warm-up will not last long so as they often say on tv enjoy it while it lasts of course that's what they say too from the company that makes ketchup down in pittsburgh enjoy it while it lasts because remember there's going to be a ketchup shortage a butter shortage a candy shortage Oh, gosh. I hope there's not a speedy shortage. Oh, come on, man. Don't worry. Speedies are plentiful this time of year, in my opinion. You're listening to Bob Joseph. I hope you make it a daily habit. 9 to noon, right here on News Radio. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. 
that is the program for today. But don't worry, we'll make more tomorrow morning right here from 9 to noon. Hope you have a great afternoon. Thank you so much for listening to News Radio. WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.